Welcome to Do We Know Things, a podcast where we examine things we think we know about sex. Content warning. This podcast includes discussions about sex, relationships, and sex ed. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton, professor of psychology and sex educator. Today on Do We Know Things, is sex ed just for kids? When you think of sex education, what springs to mind? I bet a mildly awkward class with a mildly uncomfortable teacher talking about periods, where babies come from, and possibly putting a condom on a wooden penis. Does that sound about right? In school-based sex ed, we don't learn about how to actually have sex, how to talk about sex, and while we might sometimes learn about the existence of queer people, there is rarely, if ever, any discussion about queer sex. Certainly, we can't think that our sex ed ends in high school, can we? Unfortunately, that's what many people do think. They get minimal sex ed and then are on their own to learn stuff. Except they're expected to know everything already, or to learn through trial and error. But there is a better way. Firstly, getting trained sex educators to do school-based sex ed. And secondly, adult sex ed is a thing, and it is glorious. While sex ed for adults has always existed in sex shops, kink spaces, and sex therapy, with the advent of social media, it's so much more accessible than before. On this episode, I talk to Eva Bloom, sex educator extraordinaire, about sex ed for grown-ups, why we need it, why it's important, and why queering things up is beneficial for everyone. That's coming up on Do We Know Things. But first... This episode is coming out only one week after the last one. So if you're confused, you haven't somehow skipped a week in your brain. I promise. After this episode, I'll be back to my regularly scheduled bi-weekly programming. Before we talk to Eva, I wanted to talk a bit about my own passion for sex ed for grown-ups. Last year, I started an organization called Sex Ed East that focuses on sex ed for grown-ups in Atlantic Canada. I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I thought it was particularly relevant to this episode. You can find our website at sexedeast.ca and on Instagram and Facebook by searching Sex Ed East. Coming up at Sex Ed East, we have public online classes for parents and for people who work in helping professions who want to feel more comfortable and knowledgeable when talking about sex. In addition to my work as a sex educator, I'm also interested in research on sex education. One of my honor students, Olivia Corrigan, recently completed a study where she interviewed adult sex educators to find out what their clients are seeking and what's missing from sex education. Olivia interviewed 17 sex educators who have online platforms for sex education and who also do classes or training with people. When we transcribed and read what the educators shared with us in their interviews, we identified six themes that came up in the conversations. The first theme is the concept of normalcy which came up in all of the interviews. It's so common that we've titled our upcoming paper on the topic, Am I Normal? This theme is getting at people wondering if their sexual interests are normal, people seeking validation for their sexual orientation or identity, and people worrying about the way they have sex and orgasms doesn't look like what they see in porn and mainstream media. So much of our sex education comes from media, and there are major limitations to that since, you know, 
The sex we see in most media is done as a performance and doesn't actually show reality. The second theme in our research was communication. So many people sought out adult sex ed to learn more about how to better communicate with partners about sex. This is just not something we are taught by either parents or in schools. Shame was also a major theme. We live in a pretty sex-negative world. Even though sex is everywhere, it's rarely talked about openly and honestly, which leads to a lot of people experiencing shame related to sex. That shame takes a lot of unlearning, and adult sex ed is a great place for that to happen. Another theme that emerged from the data is that many people are seeking sex education that goes beyond heteronormativity. For some, that means learning about sexual acts beyond penis-vagina intercourse, And for some, it's learning about kink or consensual non-monogamy. A lot of the work these sex educators were doing was really also about empowerment, which was another one of our themes. Empowerment came through creating a comfortable, shame-free space to talk about sex and by sharing information. Knowledge is power, as they say. The final theme was about past sex education. There was a lot of discussion about how people need sex ed as adults because their past sex education did not address important topics like pleasure or queerness and often didn't even cover the basics about birth control and STIs. The sex educators also talked about the harms caused by negative religious messaging around purity culture. It was so great to be able to find out more about adult sex ed and see the similarities across different educators working in different areas of sex ed. It's evident that adult sex education really is needed. You don't need to figure it all out on your own. There are tons of great sex educators to be found on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. One of those great educators is joining us today. Here's my conversation with Eva Bloom. Eva Bloom is an award-winning queer sexuality educator and sex science communicator. They aim to break down the rigid scripts around sexuality and affirm marginalized individuals to build their most authentic sex lives, feel at home in their identities, and have confidence in navigating their sexual health. She is the creator of the digital sexual wellness program, Fuck the Patriarchy, Fuck Yourself, and the YouTube web series, What's My Body Doing? Welcome, Eva. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, that was like a little like mini hype train. I'm like, yes. yeah, that is yes. what I do. <laughs> yeah, well, and what you do is so awesome. I've been following you on social media for years. I, you know, like I followed your YouTube channel first, I think. Um, and you have this amazing Instagram platform as well, where you share lots of awesome, like shame-free sex education. Um, and I know you also did a few years ago at that sex ed school set of videos. Uh, mm-hmm. And I recommend that to parents all the time for to watch with their kids. And so I think it's just been really cool to watch all the things you've done over the last few years. And I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today. Well, when your <laughs> podcast was released, I was like, this is so cool. I'm glad that I was able to like slide the down to be like, I want to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So it's like a mutual admiration fest. Absolutely. (laughs) Perfect. So today we're talking about sex ed, and I would love if you could start uh, by telling us a bit about your journey to becoming the sex educator and sex science communicator that you are today. Yeah. um, So I think I've always been a nerd around sexuality and relationships, kind of the 
as soon as it became relevant to me as a person, I was like on YouTube in high school and university, like just absorbing so much information, <laughs> um, watching Lindsay Doe and explanations on YouTube. That was a big one. Um, yeah. And then also kind of, I feel like, like, unfortunately, many people, my beginnings of my sexual journey was not as wonderful <laughs> um, and uh, rooted in knowledge as it maybe could have been. So kind of that spurred me on to become a sex educator and talk from my own experience. And yeah, I did my undergrad in a very like research-based program. So I was able, I felt like, oh my gosh, I have gained all of this knowledge and like sex research exists. I need to share it with the world. And yeah, that's kind of how we got here. <laughs> awesome. And when did you start your YouTube series? Um, I started, what's my body doing? I think in 2016, um, just before going into like the last year of my undergrad. So I'd started like volunteering at my university's like student health center and like started doing workshops and yeah, that type of stuff. I was like, I could tell each friend individually what the <laughs> thing I've learned is, or I could make a YouTube video about it. <laughs> Exactly. That's, it's such a great resource to have because it's, mm -hmm. you know, able to, so many people can access this information with ease that certainly wasn't around when I was in university and high school. And I think it's super awesome. No, and totally. And I learned, I got so much from YouTube on sex ed. So it felt mm -hmm. very much, or sex ed on YouTube. So it felt very much like a natural uh, platform to use. <laughs> Awesome. So let's talk about sex ed. I think a big misconception that people have about sex ed is that it's for kids and teenagers and mm -hmm. isn't needed beyond high school. Why do you think we think or like the general society thinks that sex ed is for kids only? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like society doesn't think there's any right time to give mm. people sex ed. Because <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, like you do sex ed in high school. It's kind of the adage. But then, like, even when we talk about, like, giving teenagers sex ed, people freak out and they're like, oh, but if we tell them, then they'll start doing it. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> or, like, giving kids sex ed, they're like, oh, if you're teaching them about all this stuff. I'm like, no, actually, like, ideally, we're doing things, like, developmentally appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I think the reality is that most people still don't get the sex that they need as kids or teenagers. So it kind of ends up being that like, you're an adult, <laughs> you're missing all this sexual knowledge. So we got to give adult sex ed. And I think especially we'll talk about this, I think later in the podcast too, but especially for like queer and trans people, they're especially not likely to get that growing up. So um, yeah. And I think also like there's less, less restrictions, restrictions in different ways in terms of like giving adult sex ed on the internet. There's mm -hmm. not necessarily maybe like a curriculum you need to follow or uh, a PTA committee that you need to like <laughs> have them say, okay, your course material. So like adult sex ed can be a little bit more um, inclusive. You could have a course called fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> Exactly. And yeah. so just a, a plug before we get to the full plug that <laughs> Eva has an upcoming course. It's do you want to talk a bit about it? 
Sure, yeah. Uh, it's called Fuck the Patriarchy, Fuck Yourself. It's a 14-week-long course. has a bunch of live workshops with me and guest speakers. And um, I do, like, sexy homework. So it's, like, <laughs> hands-on stuff to build a pleasure practice. But, yeah, it's all kind of about, like, unlearning all of these myths about sexuality that come from the cis-heteropatriarchy and then building from the ground up a wonderful sexual relationship with yourself. Absolutely. I love that. I love that it's focused on fucking the patriarchy. <laughs> I love that it's focused on fucking yourself, like building your own pleasure practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I love everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've already talked about the limitations of mm-hmm. sex ed in schools a little bit, like the PTA meetings or like mm-hmm. having to get your curriculum approved, mm-hmm. um, the limitations on like trans and queer and any sort of diversity um, that is rarely taught or when it is taught, it's goes badly. Um, What are your thoughts about other limitations about the sex ed people get in schools? Yeah, well, I would say a couple things. When it comes down to like, after you go through all the struggle of like getting a curriculum approved and like, I'm in Ontario and Canada. So like, we've seen a whole kind of progression of like, spent years developing this curriculum and then it got... And had to, mm-hmm. all these fights about what was in it but once you get actually down to like okay we have a curriculum that's like mostly okay I feel like s- teachers don't necessarily get trained <laughs> on mm-hmm. how to teach it it ends mm-hmm. up going to like a gym teacher or like just like a regular high school or elementary school teacher and like these people are not sex educators these people are not like trained around like sex positivity or like anti-oppression and like racism, fatphobia, ableism, like all those intersections around sexuality. Um, So that can be a big one. And then also, again, as someone who like lives in Ontario, um, the Catholic school board, (laughs) Um, all these like religious schools. When I like was a TA um, during my master's program, I would say that like, at least 60% of the students in my human sexuality classes all went to Catholic schools. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And they were, and I would ask them, like, what type of sex ed did you get in high school? And they said, basically nothing. Like, mm-hmm. we got abstinence only. And you think, like, in Canada and Ontario, like, there's no way that, like, that many students are getting such shitty sex ed. Right. I could go off on the Catholic school board, but there seems <laughs> to be this loophole that nobody talks about where it's like they're still teaching this curriculum that's, I don't know how old. (laughs) Right. I've heard that too from students at my university uh, Mm -hmm. when we go around. I I love getting sex ed horror stories from them. And some of them have some terrible horror stories, but some of them are just like, my horror story is I never got any sex ed at all, often Mm. because they're in the Catholic schools. Mm. Um, And some of the Catholic Catholic schools do have some curriculum, but some have absolutely nothing. And, Mm it's shocking. And I think back to my experience, you said earlier on how what launched many people's sex ed careers is like bad sex, bad sex ed. And Mm -hmm. with the teachers in my high school, like I was horrified, A, that I knew more than them at the age of 14, uh, and B, that they, they were horrified. So a story I often tell is my grade nine PE teacher Uh, And teachers are encouraged to do the like anonymous question box so students can ask questions. But then the teachers are horrified by the questions that they get asked. And Mm -hmm. there was a few times where she just 
like almost died of embarrassment. So one of the questions was, can you have sex on your period? And she was like, I, 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 I never have, but I think you can. Like she was just so flabbergasted. Whoa. Yeah. And just things like that. And so like when you have the educator having so much shame and, and kind of conveying that to the students, uh, it can be really harmful. It's true. Like I think, I think for a lot of teachers and like, uh, I have lots of teachers in my family. Fuck. Yeah. We love teachers. Y'all are doing the good work. Like it's really hard to like expect you to like have this whole other skill set mm-hmm. to like teach sex ed when you never like learned it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it can like tap into like, I'm an adult and therefore I should know everything about sex. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's really that's really not true. Just because you're a sexually active person doesn't mean that you are qualified to teach sex ed and that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. my, my sex ed, like I, I think my gym teacher was like, just so happened to be away for that unit doing sports things. But <laughs> I, <laughs> very, very the coincidence. And I planned that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, all I remember is getting like a diagram of like, the penis and like some reproductive stuff and being told mm-hmm. to label it and that's that's all I remember from my second and I didn't I wasn't in a Catholic school so <laughs> yeah very often it is very basic mm-hmm. So can you tell us a bit about the sex ed you do, both mm-hmm. publicly available on the internet and in your private classes, like fuck your patri- fuck the patriarchy, <laughs> fuck yourself? Yeah. Um, ooh, the sex ed that I do, it's very pleasure focused, which I think is something that like we don't get very much if it does happen in school to be like, mm-hmm. we are here. The goal here is to make sure that you are having sex that is pleasurable. You're in these relationships that feel aligned and mm-hmm. they're fulfilling. Um, I use a lot of like queer frameworks because I am a queer person and definitely in all the work that I do, I try to be like critical of like, this is heteropatriarchy and kind of these structures Um that have set up definitions of sex and what we think sex is. But yeah, I teach a lot about uh, solo sex and masturbation because I feel like that is an area of sex ed that's very often neglected and also I think very foundational in -hmm. terms of building a positive sexual relationship with yourself. I also talk about sexting because I do my master's thesis (laughs) on sexting. I have a course called How to Fuck Like a Hufflepuff about compassionate uh, casual sex and relationships. Yeah. Yeah, can we talk a bit about how to fuck like a Hufflepuff? Because yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea of intentionally teaching people to have compassionate, casual sex. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about in your educational journey, or like what made you decide to do that kind of a course? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I went on my own journey. <laughs> <laughs> took my own crash course well, yeah. <laughs> like in university also like the culture like there is a hookup culture that's mm-hmm. kind of what a lot of people are doing um and I kind of learned some stuff along the way I remember reading I think one of the things that inspired that the workshop is in Allison Moon's book Girl Sex 101 when she mm-hmm. talks about uh, casual sex and just the idea that you, you can be kind to your casual sex mm. partners. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that is kind of how it came to be. I had one very good casual sex relationship um, partner and I was like, I think other people probably need 
to know this. And also just mm-hmm. like as a as a woman, like I identified as like straight at the time, as a straight woman, just like trying to engage in casual sex, like most of my friends are pretty good, but you still like feel kind of that shame. So I think speaking about that and like having a course around it was also something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of thinking about casual sex as something that can be caring, like the, the mm-hmm. idea of like friends with benefits where you're actually mm-hmm. friends. Um, and mm-hmm. But there's this often this idea that I like have to, you know, only acknowledge the existence of this person when I want to get sexy with them. Um, and yeah, not do things like kind friend things or, you know, make breakfast in the morning or whatever. And I think, you know, as long as people are being clear about their intentions and what the relationship is, there's no reason why you shouldn't be kind and compassionate as a casual sex partner. Exactly. I think as I like learned more and like existed for longer in like the sex ed space, I realized that like most of the things in the workshop were basically like fundamentals within, I think like polyamorous like communities and like understanding Mm -hmm. of sexuality like kink communities the idea of aftercare like that is a huge part of the workshop basically being like even if you're not engaging in kinky sex that like aftercare should be a part of all of your sexual encounters even if they are casual i think also in like queer communities and understanding of like queer relationships because there can be a blurring of like friendship and romantic and sexual Mm -hmm. partners um and also maybe because the community is a little bit smaller that like just the way that we engage with each other is a little bit more um yeah kind of relationally kind because you're Mm -hmm. more likely to run into them at (laughs) the next whatever right exactly (laughs) yeah and i mean i think like the the scripts that we have for especially like straight men and straight women having sex there's all sorts of like weird gender stuff that women aren't supposed women who have sex with men aren't supposed to really like sex they aren't really supposed to want casual sex but then straight men if you're looking for casual sex (laughs) you're going to be sleeping with straight women so i don't know what you're doing (laughs) slut shaming them here i know (laughs) and the all the weird stuff that like yeah the idea that like women are more emotionally bent in terms of sexuality but like oh if you ni- you're nice to her she'll catch feelings and right. like blah 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 so i don't know i basically like realized that i took all of these ideas and brought it to the straight world to do a workshop and everybody was like aftercare mm-hmm. communicating boundaries we don't have to exist on the relationship escalator <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's the critical thing around like, once you get beyond that heteropatriarchy mm-hmm. and look at the world through a different lens, mm-hmm. sexuality just like opens up and there's so many more possibilities um, mm-hmm. for connection and kindness and awesome sexy times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even also like within academia and very much like our first and most prominent like sex educators are also very white and Mm -hmm. like looking to like indigenous sexuality educators um and talking about like how relationality is viewed in a very different way um and it's like yeah Mm -hmm. i don't think straight cis white men and women have really got it on lock (laughs) (laughs) i don't know whether they're the experts on (laughs) yeah that's yeah 
And those are the models that we see, though. Like, I've been mm-hmm. doing sexual violence prevention classes uh, yeah. or, like, workshops uh, on my campus. And we talk a lot about in the media, like, what are we shown again and again and again? Mm-hmm. And even the last episode of this podcast, we're talking about consensual non-monogamy or mm-hmm. last few episodes, I did a series on monogamy and non-monogamy and just how there's kind of one relationship model that's shown again and again and again in media. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much more beyond that. Totally. We've touched on this a bit already, but I want to expand on it. Why is adult sex ed particularly important for queer people? Yeah, well, I think, like I mentioned before, like, especially because uh, queer and trans people are, are less likely to have had any type of like sex ed that is relevant to them. We also know like stats on like sexual violence is much higher among queer and trans communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, it's like, yeah, we really need like better sex ed there's clearly like a gap here and like a need that people need support around having healthy pleasurable sexual relationships yeah i'm just very passionate about it as like a queer person um and i think that like as we just just ranted on about um that like queer perspectives and queer sex ed can help everybody Mm -hmm. um there were a surprising number of straight people in the last cohort of my course that I ran. Um, and I was pretty clear, like, I'm a queer person, like, these are going to be queer frameworks that I'm using. Um, but I really think they, like, can help everybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I completely mm-hmm. agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's interesting to me, so my student, Olivia Corrigan, just recently finished a study where she interviewed sex educators who work with adults. And so many of them were queer or like from outside of the heteropatriarchal model. Like some were still like straight mm-hmm. white people, but there was like kinky people and queer mm-hmm. people. And I I don't actually have the data, but I feel like uh, adult sex, like sex educators who focus on the adult population tend to skew more outside of that heteronormative model. Mm-hmm. Um because even well even for heterosexual people as we've talked about like the sex ed in schools is very basic mm-hmm. um and nobody actually tells you how to have sex or how to talk to people about sex and so it's not useful really for anyone no. <laughs> and then if you can bring these diverse sexualities that are doing things in cool and open and you know i want to say better <laughs> ways um then kind of the mainstream model of heterosexuality, I think it's so beneficial for everyone. Um, And that's one of the main reasons I think people seek out sex ed as adults is because they haven't been taught those skills or have access to those skills because people don't talk about sex. Totally. I mean, it's a bummer that like on platforms like Instagram, like TikTok, where people are like doing adult sex ed and like trying to reach people that like queer people, trans people, fat people, like BIPOC individuals are even more censored. So the type of sex ed that like is coming to the surface or that people can kind of see still falls within kind of like a very privileged group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. The algorithm will be the death of us all perhaps. (laughs) Exactly. I will just, I will keep saying segs on TikTok. (laughs) I will. Put stars on everything. Yeah. 
I hate that. That bothers me so much. Like, and I I realize that is a thing that people have to do, but it's so frustrating. Oh, but as a sex educator, who we've spent our whole lives being like, language is powerful. We mm. can like these words have been people call them people call your genitals or like they're all these euphemisms for sex, like saying the word is important. And then mm-hmm. we gotta go around and say sex. Yeah. <laughs> So I set out today to kind of debunk this idea that sex ed is only for kids and that sex ed can be beneficial for adults. Um, Do you have any last things you want to add to that in the debunking of sex ed is just for kids? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Basically, it's like in the reality that we are living in, most, most people do not get the sex ed that they need as Mm -hmm. kids or as teens. In fact, most people need to actually like do a bunch of work at unlearning the garbage that they learned or didn't learn in Mm. those formative years before they can even get to being taught sex ed as an adult. So yeah. Yeah. Do we need sex ed as adults? Absolutely. It's in fact, some mostly the only sex ed that people actually get. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. The The real sex ed starts when once you're an adult and you can access things that are um, actually relevant to sex and not just like how to put on a condom. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs sex ed. I would I love for them to have it as kids or as teens and yeah. as adults. I mean, even people who did get sex ed as a kid or a teen. I think part of this is that like people think that like, again, once you're a sexually active adult, you know everything that you need to know. But that's not true. (laughs) Like, you can always be learning and growing. um, And I think having more information can only benefit your sex life as an adult. Absolutely. And I read books constantly, sex ed books. And I'm 41 and I feel like I still learn new things on a regular basis about sex. And my whole life is dedicated to talking about sex, like studying sex, etc. And I'm still learning things. So I absolutely think... Everyone has something to learn about sex. Yes. Oh, well, I mean, I just like, got a DM like yesterday from like a 48-year-old and she was like, thank you. I'm learning things. So you have this class coming up, uh, Fuck the Patriarchy, Fuck Yourself. Can you tell people where they can find out more about it and sign up? Yeah. So um, the class, our first class starts October 26th. So enrollment kind of ends October 25th. Um, you can read all about what's involved in the course on my website at evabloom.ca slash FPFY program. And you read through the read through the information and then you fill out a little application and it basically you just share kind of what your challenges are what you want to work through in the program and then we hop on a little call to make sure you're a good fit and then you can come on in (laughs) very awesome and i'll put the link to that in the show notes uh where else can people find you on the internet yeah, folks can find me on Instagram at What's My Body Doing. You can find me on YouTube, What's My Body Doing. I have a huge back catalog. Um, YouTube's pretty cool because it's like kind of like a search engine. So if you have like a question or a topic, probably made a video about it at some point. Um, I'm also on TikTok at What's My Body Doing. I also have a sex research newsletter where I share uh, kind of different uh, academic papers around queer identity and sexuality on Patreon. Also, what's my body doing? Well, thank you so much for being here today, Eva. 
Thanks for having me. It's great. <laughs>